إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله أما بعد So last time then we were talking about the best of this ummah after the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that is Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu and then Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu and then Uthman ibn Affan radiyallahu anhu and then Ali ibn Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu al-Khulafa al-Rashidun and then after that we're now going to discuss another six of the companions and these six added on with those four make ten altogether and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentioned these ten as the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise. There are certain companions who the Prophet ﷺ told them that they are in paradise. Certain companions were told by the Prophet ﷺ that they are in paradise. This particular hadith, or there is a hadith that mentions ten of them. Four of them are Al-Khulafa Al-Rashidun that we already mentioned. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali radiyallahu anhum. And then there are another six. That doesn't mean that there are only ten companions that the Prophet told them they are in paradise. There were actually more than that. There were more than ten companions. There are others as well. But we're only going to mention here the other six which makes up ten so far. So he says in the poem, Ibn Abi Dawood, وَإِنَّهُمُ لَرَّهْقُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهِمُ عَلَى نُجُبِ الْفِرْدَوْسِ بِالنُّورِ تَصْرَحُ سَعِيدٌ وَسَعْدٌ وَابْنُ عُوفٍ وَطَلْحَةٌ وَعَامِرُ فِهْرٍ وَالزُّبَيْرُ الْمُمَدَّحُ Here now then, this is the list of the other six that make up the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise. So when he mentions عَلَى نُجُوبِ الْفِرْدَوْسِ أي على نوق من الجنة that there will be al-firdaus meaning the highest levels of the paradise these ten will be within that level of paradise and they will be within paradise as a whole so who are they? the first one here Sa'id he is Sa'id Ibn Zayd Ibn Amr Ibn Nufayl Sa'id Ibn Zayd Sa'id Ibn Zayd Sa'id the son of Zayd the son of Amr the son of Nufayl and he was Ibn Am Umar Ibn Al-Khattab he was the son of the uncle of Umar ibn al-Khattab, meaning he was the first cousin of Umar ibn al-Khattab. He was the first cousin of Umar ibn al-Khattab, Sa'id ibn Zayd ibn Amr ibn Nufayl. Wazawj ukhti Umar. And he was married to Umar's sister. So he was also the brother-in-law of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhum the second one here was Sa'adun Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas al-Zuhri radiyallahu anhu Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas 
the third one Ibn Awf Abdurrahman Ibn Awf radiyallahu anhu Abdurrahman Ibn Awf that is the third one here Abdurrahman Ibn Awf radiyallahu anhu wa huwa min athriya'i sahabah wa min alladhina yunfiquna fi sabilillahi azza wa jal al-infaq al-kathir and he was from the rich companions Abdurrahman Ibn Awf and he spent a lot of money in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the fourth of them here is Talha Talha Ibn Ubaidillah Talha the son of Ubaidullah radiyallahu anh and then Amir the fifth one Amir and Amir is Abu Ubaidah Amir Ibn al-Jarrah Abu Ubaidah Amir Ibn al-Jarrah radiyallahu anhu Ameen hadihi al-Ummah he was named as the Ameen the Ameen the trustworthy one of this Ummah and then the sixth one Az-Zubair Az-Zubair Ibn al-Awam radiyallahu anhu and he was from those who aided the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam those six names there added on to the four that we spoke about last week Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali radiyallahu anhum those six and those four together make the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise like we said though this doesn't mean that there were only ten companions who were told by the Prophet that they are in paradise there were more than ten more than these ten there were others as well who were told by the Prophet that they are in paradise but this is a famous hadith that mentions these ten names there is one hadith that mentions the ten of them and so they have become known as the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise so if anybody says who are the ten who were given the glad tidings of paradise these are the ten then there are others on top of that who were also given the glad tidings of paradise so then he says وَقُلْ خَيْرَ قَوْلٍ فِي الصَّحَابَةِ كُلِّهِمْ وَلَا تَكُ طَعَانًا تَعِيبُ وَتَجْرَحُ فَقَدْ نَطَقَ الْوَحْيُ الْمُبِينُ بِفَضْلِهِمْ وَفِي الْفَتْحِ آيٌ لِلصَّحَابَةِ تَمْدَحُ So far we have explained last week the definition of who a companion is you remember we talked about the definition of who a companion is and that was somebody remind us what was the definition of who a companion is someone who met the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam believed in him and died upon Islam man laqiya an-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mu'minan bihi wa mata ala al-islam whomsoever met the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that therefore includes the companions who were blind they never saw the Prophet they met the Prophet that's why you should say man laqiya an-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and don't say man ra'a an-nabi some of the companions were blind they did not see the prophet but they met him so the one who met an nabi and don't say man laqiya muhammad man laqiya an nabi to indicate that it must be after the revelation began 
So those who met the Prophet before the revelation are not considered in this. But those who met him after the revelation began, after he became a Prophet. Man laqiya nabi And also we said, Man laqiya nabi Man lil'aqil. And that's why Mount Uhud is not a companion because man is for the aqil, for the humans and the jinn, uh, not for the objects. So man laqiya nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mu'minan bihi, believing in him. So the mushrikun who met the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they are not companions because even though they met him they did not believe in him mu'minan bihi wa mata ala al-islam and then that person dies upon islam so if somebody met the prophet believing in him but then that person apostated left islam and died as a kafir would we say he's still a companion though no because he did not die upon islam but what about somebody who met the Prophet ﷺ, believed in him, then apostated, left Islam, but then became Muslim again and then died? Sahabi or not? Huh? No, no, before the death. Oh no, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. He didn't have to meet him again. So that doesn't matter. Sahabi, that's the, the Rajih. Ibn Hajar, when he explained, he said, Even if in between he apostated, but in the end, he came back to Islam and died as a Muslim, then the definition would apply. That's what we talked about last time, the definition of a companion. And we've mentioned the best of the companions the uh, Al-Khulafa Al-Rashidun, who was the first leader after the Prophet, then the second leader, the third leader, the fourth leader. Now, in this topic, he is going to tell us about the goodness of all of the companions, the virtue of all of the companions. What are we allowed to say about the companions and what are we not allowed to say about them? That's what he's going to talk about now because the aqeedah of Ahlul Sunnah is to speak good of the companions of the Prophet and not try to give examples of bad about the companions and not speak bad about them and pick out their mistakes and not to do those types of things but to speak good of the companions and to praise the companions and to love the companions, all of them, not just the ten that we mentioned, all of the companions. So he says, وَقُلْ خَيْرَ قَوْلٍ فِي الصَّحَابَةِ كُلِّهِمْ And say the best of statement in regards to all of the companions, وَلَا تَكُطَعَانًا تَعِيبُ وَتَجْرَحُ And do not be somebody who is uh, critical, criticizes the companions and abuses the companions and speaks ill of the companions. Do not be like that. Why? Because the revelation has told us about the goodness of the companions. So you cannot speak bad of them, speak good of them. The revelation, meaning the Quran and the Sunnah, has told us about the goodness of the companions. That's talking about certain parts of the Quran where virtues of the companions have been mentioned. We'll get to that in a moment. So here, a Shaykh Al Fawzan he says in the Sharh, ذَكَرَ هُنَا بَقِيَّةَ الصَّحَابَةِ بَعْدَمَا ذَكَرَ الْعَشْرَةَ الْمُبَشِّرِينَ بِالْجَنَّةِ. So now. You see how it has built up stage by stage. After the Prophet ﷺ, there were the four companions we mentioned first, the Khulafa. Then after them, there were the other six. Now he's talking about all of the others. 
all of the other companions. فَقَالَ وَقُلْ خَيْرَ قَوْلِ حَتَّى لَا يُظَنَّ أَنَّ ذِكْرَ الْفَاضِلِ مِنَ الصَّحَابَةِ تَنَقُّصٌ لِلْمَفْضُولِ بَلْ كُلُّهُمْ صَحَابَةُ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم وَلَهُمْ فَضْلُ الصُّحْبَةِ وَالْمُنَاصَرَةِ لِلْرَسُولِ صلى الله عليه وسلم وَالتَّلَقِّي عَنْهُ فَقَدْ رَأُوا الرَّسُولِ وَآمَنُوا بِهِ وَاجْتَمَعُوا بِهِ وَصَلَّوا خَلْفَهُ وَسَمِعُوا قَوْلَهُ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ So the reason why he's now telling us about all of the companions is so that nobody misunderstands thinking that you have to speak good about those ten and the rest of them don't have any virtue. That is incorrect. All of them have virtue but those ten have the higher virtue. Remember we said the tabi'een, who were the tabi'een? The students of the Sahaba, the next generation, even the best tabi'i is not as good as the lowest companion. And some of the tabi'een were more knowledgeable than some of the companions. They had more chains of narration and hadith and more than some of the companions, some of the tabi'een. But even though they had that, can it be said overall they are therefore better than some of the companions? No. You can only say they are superior in certain fields. Some of the tabi'een were superior in certain fields. Hadith and chains of narration and the asanid etc. But overall even with that virtue and superiority some of the tabi'een had. Overall even the lowest companion is still better than the highest Tabi'i, because the companion has one thing that the next generation can never have. And that one thing gives them superiority. What's the one thing? That they met the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So all of the companions have virtue. All of them have virtue. You remember the ayah we mentioned last time? Radiyallahu anhum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with them, meaning all of them, the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So when he says, وَقُلْ خَيْرَ قَوْلٍ فِي الصَّحَابَةِ كُلِّهِمْ فِي صَحَابَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam بِأَن تُثْنِيَ عَلَيْهِمْ وَتَمْدَحَهُمْ لِأَنَّهُمْ إِسْتَحَقُونَ هَذَا الْمَدْحِ وَالثَّنَاءِ so you praise them and you speak good of them because they are deserving of that praise. They were the chosen ones to be along with the Prophet ﷺ. And you remember last week the Prophet said in a hadith, what did he say in a hadith? To show that they were the best of all of the generations. That, but the other easy narration about the best of the generations. That the best of all of the people, the generations, are the generation I was sent in. They were the companions. Then those who come after them, the tabi'een. Then those who come after them. وَلَا تَكُ طَعَانًا تَعِيبُ وَتَجْرَحُ And do not be someone who uh, uh, abuses or speaks bad and evil of the companions. لَا يَجُوزُ تَنَقُّصُ أَحَدٍ مِّنْهُمْ It is not permissible to belittle, to speak bad of or to speak down of any of the companions. أَوْ الْتِمَاسُ الْعُيُوبِ لَهُمْ or to try and find their faults. It's not permissible. This is not the way of Ahlul Sunnah that we sit there trying to find the faults of the companions. And that's exactly what the people of innovation do. The people of Bid'ah, they try to find faults in the companions to try and justify their own faults. 
They say, okay, we do this and we do that and you people refute us for doing this and that. But there's an example, one of the companions did this or did that or did this. So they try to find examples from the companions where there may have been some error or fault or shortcoming. And they say, look, even the companions, this, that, the other. So why are you refuting us and criticizing us? They try to find errors and faults of the companions to justify their misguided methodologies. That's what they attempt to do, but we do not do that. We do not try to look for the faults of the companions. كَمَا تَفْعَلُوا قَبَّحَهُمُ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهُمْ أَعْدَاءُ الدِّينِ وَأَعْدَاءُ الْأُمَّةِ وَأَعْدَاءُ الْمِلَّةِ وَكَمَا تَفْعَلُوا الْخَوَارِجِ الَّذِينَ يُكَفِّرُونَ الصَّحَابَةِ So you have certain groups out there like the Rafidah and the Khawarij and each of them in their own respects they look for errors and they even declare companions to be disbelievers the khawarij, the rafida in their relative respects, they seek the faults of the companions and they even declare companions to be disbelievers. They declare them to be disbelievers. But then if they declare companions to be disbelievers, if they declare Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu to be a disbeliever, then what about the ahadith, authentic narrations in Bukhari and other places about the virtues of Abu Bakr? And if they declare Umar to be a disbeliever, what about all of the hadith the Prophet mentioned about Umar? Authentic narrations and Uthman and Ali. What do they say about all of those then? Okay, yeah, <laughs> even that. So they say even the, the people narrating the hadith, the one narrating the hadith is not a Muslim anyway, he's a kafir anyway, he's a disbeliever as well, so we can't take the hadith. But if we say the hadith is authentic, if we say the hadith is authentic and you can't argue against that, what do they say some of them as well? They say all these fada'il were before qabla riddatuhum. They say all of those virtues, yes, yes, but that was before they became disbelievers. They had all of that praise. All those narrations are true, but that was before they became disbelievers. Now it's all mansukh. They have become disbelievers. None of those virtues apply to them anymore. So they make all this type of misguidance and all this type of evil speech. فَقَدْ نَطَقَ الْوَحْيُ الْمُبِينُ بِفَضْلِهِمْ the clear revelation has spoken about their virtue. Al-Wahi yashmal al-Qur'an was-Sunnah. Al-Wahi, the revelation, it includes the Qur'an and the Sunnah. فَقَدْ نَطَقَ الْوَحِي قُرْآنًا وَسُنَّةً بِفَضْلِ صَحَابَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ so the revelation, meaning the Qur'an and the Sunnah, both revelations have spoken about the virtues of the companions. In the Qur'an there are ayat talking about the virtues of the companions. In the Sunnah there are authentic hadith talking about the virtues of the companions. مُكَذِّبٌ لِكِتَابِ اللَّهِ وَسُنَّةِ رَسُولِهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ So whoever criticizes the companions, speaks ill of the companions, then he is denying and rejecting what is in the revelation. He is denying or belying what is in the revelation, in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah. And we mentioned some of those ayat last time as well. وَالسَّابِقُونَ الْأَوَّلُونَ مِنَ الْمُهَاجِرِينَ وَالْأَنصَارِ You remember some of those examples of ayat in the Qur'an where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about the virtues of the companions. And there are other examples here too. فِي سُورَةِ الْفَتْحِ إِنَّا فَتَحْنَا لَكَ فَتْحًا مُبِينًا 
فناء متكرر على صحابة رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم and there is a, a lot of praise a lot of praise for the companions of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم in reference to their acceptance of Islam and aiding Islam and being from those who were from the helpers of the Prophet وسلم, there are many ayat mentioned and when he said meaning in Surah Al-Fatih if you go to Surah Al-Fatih then you will find that there are ayat multiple ayat in that chapter that speak about the virtues of the companions here there are examples ayah number one ayah number five ayah number ten various ayat in that section that's why he says wafil fathi meaning in surah al-fath ayun ayat lis-sahabati regarding the companions tamdahu praising them so anybody who speaks bad about the companions then that individual has rejected and spoken bad of the revelation itself or belied and denied the revelation itself. The next part was Sibtay Rasulillah Wabnay Khadijata Wafatima to Zatun Nakai Tabahbahu. That section there. That section coming up there, we're not going to cover it. This section from, uh, from uh, verse number 21 to verse number 27, that is disputed. In some versions of the Ha'iyah, it's there. In other versions of the Ha'iyah, it's not there. So that section, there's a doubt as to whether it is actually from the original Ha'iyah or not. And we're going to leave that section for the moment. We'll continue with the established sections. And the next established section coming is So far up to there then, the discussion has been all about the companions. That was the topic about the companions. We now understand who a companion is. We understand who the best of the companions were. We understand that Allah is pleased with them. We understand that we are not allowed to speak bad about any of them. We learned last week the first person from the men to become a Muslim was Abu Bakr Siddiq and the first woman was Khadija and the first child was Ali ibn Abi Talib. So that was all of the discussion on the companions. It is impermissible to speak bad about any of the companions or to try and find their faults or to find any mistakes. That is not how we behave with the companions of the Prophet Rather we respect them all and we love them all and we speak good about them all they were the muslims with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he was alive over 1400 years ago and they were the best of all of the muslims in this ummah then the new topic which starts now is the topic about the decree the decree of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the decree is one of the pillars of Iman. You know that when we talk about the six parts of belief, the six pillars of Iman, the first pillar, the first part from your six parts of belief is belief in Allah. That's number one. Make a note. The six parts, the six pillars of Iman, of belief and faith. The first pillar is belief in Allah. The second pillar is His angels. Belief in the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The third is 
His books, belief in the books that Allah revealed. Allah sent down books, the revelations, the Quran and the Injil and the Torah and the Zabur and other books. And the fourth part of belief, the fourth pillar of belief, in the messengers, the prophets and the messengers that Allah sent, we have iman and belief in the prophets and messengers that Allah sent, all of them, whether we know all of their names or we don't, we believe in all of them. And the fifth part of belief, the fifth pillar of belief is belief in the day of judgment, belief in the last day, in the day of judgment. And then the sixth pillar of Iman, the sixth pillar of your belief, of your faith, is Iman in the decree. The Iman in the decree. Al-Imanu bil-Qadr. So what does it mean to have Iman in the decree? Firstly, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentions here, Ata Jibreelu alayhi salam, Ata Jibreelu alayhi salamu, An-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallama faqal, Akhbirni anil iman, faqal, Al-Imanu an tu'mina billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusulih, wal yawm al-akhiri, wa tu'minu bil-qadari khayrihi wa sharrih. That is a hadith in Sahih Muslim, حديث عمر ابن الخطاب رضي الله عنه فجعل الإيمان بالقدر سادس أركان الإيمان So having Iman in the decree is the sixth pillar of Iman والإيمان بالقضاء والقدر And what does it mean to have belief in the decree? الإيمان بعلم الله وتقديره الأشياء قبل كونها. To believe that Allah had knowledge of everything and what was going to happen with everything before any of it even happened. Allah has knowledge of everything and what is going to happen and what is going to occur. With all of the affairs, even before they occur, that is the general belief in the decree, Al-Imanu bi'ilmillah, to have iman that Allah's knowledge covers everything, wa taqdeerihi al-ashya, and that Allah is the one who determines, who decides what is going to happen, when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen, even before any of it, happens So in the Qur'an Allah mentions that He created everything and then decreed or preordained its decree. That Allah created everything and then decided what was going to happen, how it was going to happen, when it was going to happen with everything. And also, إِنَّا كُلَّ شَيْءٍ خَلَقَنَاهُ بِقَدْرِ That indeed we have created everything upon the decree so the decree is allah's knowledge that encompasses covers everything and allah decides how and what and when is going to occur and happen with everything so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who decrees, decides for an affair to occur and makes it occur and creates that thing and what that thing is and the descriptions of that thing. Everything, all of its descriptions, what, when, how, all of that is within the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why the scholars, they mention 
that when it comes to understanding the decree of Allah, the first thing you have to understand is that Allah's knowledge covers everything. So everything in the past, every single thing that ever happened in every country, in every place, everything, all of the history is known to Allah. Everything which is happening right now, everywhere in the world, in every place is known to Allah. Everything that is going to happen in the future, everywhere, any place is known to Allah. And also, those things that never happened, if they had happened, then Allah knows how they would have happened as well. Those things that never happened, if they had happened, then Allah knows how they would have happened. So Allah's knowledge isn't just about the things that happened in the past, and that are happening right now, and that are going to happen in the future, but also the things that never happen. If they had happened, then Allah knows how they would have happened as well, how they would have occurred as well. So that is the knowledge of Allah that encompasses every single thing, encompasses all of that which exists, and that is known as the first level of the decree the first level of the decree is to recognize and to have iman in the fact that allah's knowledge encompasses includes every single thing past present future and even the things that didn't occur if they were to occur allah knows how they would have occurred too and they didn't even occur so that is the knowledge of Allah that encompasses everything. That is the first part or the first level of the belief in the decree. And some evidences for that. فَمَا مِن شَيْءٍ إِلَّا وَيَعْلَمُهُ اللَّهُ جَلَّ وَعَلَى يَعْلَمُ مَا كَانَ وَمَا يَكُونُ قَالَ تَعَالَى So there is not anything except that Allah is aware of it. Nothing happens except that Allah knows just as Allah said in the Quran, وَمَا تَسْقُطُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا وَلَا حَبَّةٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتِ الْأَرْضِ وَلَا رَطْمٍ وَلَا يَابِسٍ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مُّبِينٍ This ayah in Al-An'am 59, if we take the beginning of it as an example, وَمَا تَسْقُطُ مِنْ وَرَقَةٍ إِلَّا يَعْلَمُهَا the scholars of tafsir, many of them, they said the meaning of that ayah there is that there is not a leaf that falls off any tree except that Allah knows of it. There is not a leaf that falls off any tree except that Allah is aware of it. So if you imagine how many trees there are in Bolton, how many trees there are out there on the roads and the parks just in Bolton, and then how many there are in the UK? How many trees in the UK? Is it hundreds or is it thousands or is it millions or billions? Big numbers. But then imagine how many trees there are altogether in Europe. But then imagine how many trees there are in the whole world, including all the rainforests and everything. But then, now the numbers are trillions. Then, how many leaves are on all of those trees? So then you multiply, 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 multiply. How many leaves there are on all of the trees of the world? And not a single leaf falls from any tree in the world except that Allah knows of it in the middle of the the Amazon rainforest or whatever it is a tree one leaf falls off it Allah knows exactly which tree where the leaf has fallen Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi said in his tafsir Allah knows which leaf falls 
how long it flutters in the air and exactly where it lands. But all of that is within the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is what says here, And then it carries on with more examples in the ayah. But that one example, if you can learn it and memorize it, then it gives you an example of Al-Imanu bi anna allaha alima ma kana wa ma yakunu bi ilmihi Al-Azali alladhi huwa mawsufun bihi azalan wa abada So Allah knows about everything past, present and future Even the affairs that have not occurred And that is in his all-encompassing knowledge of everything There are other examples, quite a few examples given in the book for those who have the book there are a few ayat that the Shaykh gives as examples. Another one, That Allah knows what they are keeping secret and that which they are making open and apparent. And Wallahu Alimun Sudur. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what is in the chests, what is in the hearts. And Allah knows what is in the heavens and what is in the earth. Inna Allaha la yakhfa alayhi shay'un fil ardi wa la fis sama. That there is nothing that is hidden from Allah in the heavens, in the skies and in the earth. That's the ayat of the Quran. Allah tells us nothing is hidden from him in the heavens and in the earth. فَعِلْمُ اللَّهِ شَامِلٌ لِمَا كَانَ وَمَا يَكُونَ وَمَا لَمْ يَكُنْ لَوْ كَانَ كَيْفَ يَكُونَ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, His knowledge covers every single thing. The second level or the second part of understanding the decree of Allah, المرتبه الثانيه أن تؤمن وتعتقد أن الله كتب في اللوح المحفوظ كل شيء. That you believe Allah wrote down everything in the preserved tablet. Allah wrote down everything in the preserved tablet with him. So there is what is known as a preserved tablet. And we don't know the details of what and how and the description, but we believe there is a tablet, a preserved tablet, meaning something you write on, not uh, as the youngsters, the tablet, not the devices. A tablet here, it talks about something that you write on. So there is a preserved tablet where all of the decree, everything that is going to happen, was written down on it. So in a hadith it says, أَوَّلُ And in some uh, uh, explanations of the scholars, أَوَّلَ مَا خَلَقَ اللَّهُ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى الْقَلَمُ ثُمَّ قَالَ لَهُ أُكْتُبْ قَالَ وَمَا أَكْتُبْ قَالَ اكْتُبْ مَا يَكُونُ وَمَا هُوَ كَائِنٌ إِلَىٰ أَنْ تَقُومَ السَّاعَةِ This hadith, which is in the Sunan of Abi Dawood and At-Tirmidhi and the Musnad of Al-Imam Ahmad and other places, it says in the hadith, in one of the explanations of it, that when Allah initially created the pen, when Allah created the pen, Allah said to the pen, write. The pen said, what shall I write? Allah said, write everything which will occur. Write everything which will occur up until the hour is established, meaning up until the day of judgment. So that is one hadith that proves everything was written down in the preserved tablet all of the things that are going to happen past and present and future up until the day of judgment from that moment past in terms of us for us relatively the past and then the present and the future but from that moment 
onwards everything up until the day of judgment that was written down in the preserved tablet so everything which happens everything which happens in this world every item every action everything which takes place it was all written in the preserved tablet in another hadith the prophet sallallahu said كتب الله مقادير الخلائق قبل أن يخلق السماوات والأرض بخمسين ألف سنة وكان وعرشه على الماء that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wrote down the decree of all of the creation before he created the heavens and the earth by 50,000 years and his throne was above the water. So before Allah created the heavens and this earth by 50,000 years, 50,000 years before the creation of all of this, Allah had already written down that preserved, uh, the decree in the preserved tablet. Allah had already written down the decree in the preserved tablet. Everything that is going to happen was written down even 50,000 years before any of this was even created. And it was all written down in that preserved tablet. So then, it says here, كَتَبَ اللَّهُ مَقَادِيرَ الْخَلَائِقِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةً وَعَرْشُهُ عَلَى الْمَاءِ And his throne was above the water. So then the question is, أَيُّهُمَا أَصْبَقْ Al-Arsh am al-Qalam. In the first hadith, it could be understood when you say, Awwalu ma khalaq Allahu al-Qalam. If you say Awwalu, then it means the pen was the first thing that was created. But if you could say, Awwala ma khalaq Allahu al-Qalama, in that case it would mean when Allah initially, or when Allah created the pen, He initially said to it, but the problem now is in the second narration, it says when Allah wrote the decree, His throne was already there. So what was created first? The throne of Allah or the pen? The pen or the throne? No? Water, but uh, in this one, the discussion is only the pen or the throne. But the discussion here, let's finish one first, then you can do all the others. The pen or the throne. So, qala qawmun al-arshu asbaqu min al-qalam wa qala qawmun al-qalamu asbaqu min al-arsh. So, there is a difference of opinion between them, between the scholars about which one came first. Like in that hadith where it says, awwalu ma khalaq Allahu al-qalam. But then some of them say it is actually awwala ma khalaqallahu al-qalama qala lahuktub. If you say awwala, then in that case it doesn't mean the pen was the first thing, then it can be the arsh. If you say awwala, because then it just means when Allah created the pen, whenever that was, the first thing the pen was told to do was right. But if you make it like awwalu, changing the, the i'rab of it, then it can mean that the pen itself was the first thing that was created. So there is a discussion and a difference between the scholars regarding that. So, فَالْكِتَابَةُ مُقَارَنَةٌ لِوُجُودِ الْقَلَمِ حِينَمَا خَلَقَهُ اللَّهُ فَقَالَ لَهُ اكْتُبْ وَأَمَّا مِنْ حَيْثُ الْوُجُودِ فَالْعَرْشُ أَصْبَقْ The opinion of a Shaykh Al-Fawzan, he believes that the throne came first. And that when the hadith in the other one says that when the pen was created first, Allah said to it, write. They say that means when Allah created the pen, the first thing it was told to do was write the decree. Not that the first thing was the pen created itself. So based upon that explanation, the shaykh, he believes that is more accurate as well. But there's a difference of opinion. So he believes the throne was the first thing created. Uh, also, so he says, وَهَذَا هُوَ الْقَوْلُ الصَّحِيحِ لِقَوْلِهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم إِنَّ اللَّهَ قَدَّرَ مَقَادِيرَ الْخَلَائِقِ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَخْلُقَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ بِخَمْسِينَ أَلْفَ سَنَةً 
وعرشه على الماء قدرها قبل الكتابة ثم كتبها فالكتابة مقارنة لوجود القلم ووجود القلم متأخر عن وجود العرش والعرش أسبق So uh, according to Sheikh Al-Fawzan he says that the writing only occurred upon the creation of the pen So the writing occurred upon the creation of the pen and the pen so therefore the writing is connected to the presence of the pen but the pen being present it says his throne was already above the water indicating that it was already there so that is the opinion of the sheikh but he says هذه مسألة استطرادية لكن لا بد من معرفتها لأنها تدخل في مرتبة الكتابة so even though he says that's an issue that is digression it's not the key point that we're discussing the key point we're discussing is that the decree was all written down all of the decree was written down in the preserved tablet 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth that is where we'll have to conclude today well there's too much to finish all the other two uh, levels it's better to do it in detail We'll start with the third and the fourth next time. You have to remember the first two for today. When believing in the decree, the first thing you have to understand is that Allah's knowledge covers everything. Past, present, future, and even those things that never happen. If they happened, Allah knows how they would happen. The second thing is that all of this decree was written down in the preserved tablet when 50,000 years before the creation of this heavens and the earth those are the first two parts of belief in the decree the qadr so next time we'll do part three and part four of the belief in the decree inshallah any questions up to there then All right, we'll resume next week, insha'Allah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam.